0: Heavenly Father, in Christ Jesus, you have set our hearts free. We ask that you would help us by your Holy Spirit to run in the path of your commands this day. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we continue our series this morning in the book of Philippians, and this has been a book which has encouraged unity amongst the church in Philippi. The Apostle Paul has written to them as his dear friends, and he's been encouraging them to contend as one man for the sake of the gospel, and he's given them many reasons why they should do so. And here at the end of the letter, he's giving them particular instructions, particular commands as to how they are to live. And we've seen that he's commanded them in verse 4 of chapter 4 to rejoice in the Lord, he's commanded them in verse 5 to let their gentleness be evident to all. In verse 6, he tells them not to be anxious, but to come to God in prayer. And this morning, we're going to look at verse 8 and what he commands there. He commands the church in Philippi and, of course, all God's people, including us today, that we are to use our minds in a particular way. We are to use our minds in a particular way. We are to think about certain things. Why is that? Well, we understand, of course, that our thoughts affect everything about us. How so? Well, what we believe and what we think results in what we do. As we live our lives, our actions come from the thoughts in our heads. And as a result of the actions of our lives, things happen to us. What happens to us is because of what we do, and what we do is because of what we think. And so it's very important to make sure that we are thinking rightly, that we are thinking good thoughts in our heads. Why? Because if we think good thoughts, then we will do good things, and if we do good things, then good things will happen to us as a result of the good things that we do and the good thoughts that we have had. So what should we think about? What does the Apostle Paul tell us to think about? Well, we read in verse 8. Look with me now, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. These are the kinds of things that we are to think about. Now, what is it specifically? Well, we could go through this long list of eight different characteristics of the types of thoughts that we could have, and we could look at each word in detail and try and work out what sort of things match up with that word, But realistically, you could sum up the whole of this list here with good, couldn't you? We're meant to think about what is good. Of course, you can look up different commentaries and different other works of other people if you're really keen to look at the different nuances of each particular word. But I think we get the picture. We're meant to think good thoughts. And these kinds of adjectives here are meant to help us to understand what are good thoughts. But how can we know what is true what is noble what is right whatever what what is pure what is lovely what is admirable what is excellent and praiseworthy how can we know whether something is a good thought and worth thinking about fixing our minds upon it well the thing is generally speaking everybody knows what is good even unbelievers the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Unbelievers, generally speaking, they know what is good. And we do as well. We have this understanding of what is good and what is right by the common grace that God exercises in this world. So why don't people think good thoughts and do good things and good things result in them in their lives because of our good God? Well, it's because sinful humans don't like what is good. We don't like what is good. And we can even get to the point where we call evil actions good actions. All the time that God considers them to be evil and will punish them. We can actually think what is good evil as right and true and good and excellent and praiseworthy so what is our infallible guide to know what is good to know which thoughts are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy what is our infallible guide if our sinful minds block us sometimes or a lot of the time from knowing what is right well of course it's the scriptures The scriptures, the Bible that we have, it is always, always true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. And so if we read this book, then we are reading about what is right and true and good. Psalm 12 verse 6 says, The words of the Lord are flawless, flawless like silver refined in a furnace of clay purified seven times. And so what we can do, any thought that is passing through our mind, we can weigh it up against scripture and we will soon know if it is a good thought or if it's a bad thought. If it's a good thought and worth thinking about or whether it's a bad thought and we should dismiss it from our minds. Now what's should we be thinking about? What sort of thoughts should we be having? Well, of course, we have thoughts about people, don't we? We have thoughts about family, we have thoughts about church members, our church family, we have thoughts about friends, we have thoughts about our neighbours, we have thoughts about our work colleagues, we have thoughts about our bosses, we have thoughts about people who serve us in levels of society, including our government. A lot of people were thinking about certain people in government. You may not think much about politicians, generally speaking, every three-year cycle, but the last couple of weeks, been thinking a lot about people in levels of government and of course we think about our enemies we think about those who are hostile to us who seem to hate us and we think about how we're going to interact with those people in our lives we think about who we're going to interact with and how we're going to interact with them what other thoughts do pass through our heads well we think about our employment don't we We think about whatever it has been that God has given us to do and we concentrate on that employment. And, of course, we can then weigh up our thoughts about work in light of Scripture, what type of employment we do. And, of course, our work practices, our work ethics, we should be weighing it up against Scripture to see whether they are good thoughts that we have about our workplace and our work. What other thoughts should we be weighing up? Well, of course, we should be weighing up our thoughts about recreational activities what we watch, what we read, what we play, how much time we allot to such activities. We should be weighing it all up in accordance with Scripture to see whether the way that we play, the way that we relax, is it right, is it true, is it noble, is it pure, is it lovely, is it admirable, is it excellent and praiseworthy. But what should we think about most of all? What should we think about most of all that fits these categories, these adjectives that are here given for us best? Well, of course, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. We think about God manifest in Christ Jesus. He is the one that ticks every box. He is the one who is true, supremely true, supremely noble, supremely right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. How do we know good thoughts about Christ Jesus? How can we know God revealed in Christ? Well, it's like everything else. We look at it in accordance. We look at him in accordance with his word. Every page whispers the name of Christ Jesus. And so if we want to think about Christ rightly, truly, if we want to have good thoughts about Christ Jesus, we must turn to his word. And what do we think about Christ Jesus most of all? If we're going to think about what is good and true true about the Lord Jesus Christ at a supreme level, well, of course, we can turn to the cross, isn't it? At the cross, we see there what is right and true. We see the justice of God displayed at the cross as the wrath of God is poured out upon Christ as judgment for sin. But we also see at the cross what is lovely, what is admirable, what is noble as the Son of God himself bears the wrath for the sin of his people. If you want to think a right and good thought, it doesn't get any better than thinking of Christ at the cross. There we see supremely what is true, what is noble, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, admirable, excellent and praiseworthy. So how do you think good thoughts? How can you follow the command of the Lord of, of the Apostle Paul here and the command of the Lord to think about these things? Well of course you go to God's word and you weigh up all the thoughts that are racing through your head and you weigh them up and you evaluate them and if they're right and true in accordance with God's word you can continue to ponder them and if you think about the Lord Jesus Christ you think about him in accordance with his word but how do you study God's word how do you weigh such things up well of course you read it you listen to God's word in raw form the best thing you can do is come to God's word and read it and of course if you want to study God's word you don't just read it you listen to people explain it to you it is hard to read God's word and understand everything that is being said There are things that are very difficult to understand. Even the Apostle Peter talks about the writings of the Apostle Paul and says there are things that are difficult to understand. The Apostle Peter had problems understanding Paul. So who are we to think that we can come to God's word and understand everything that the Apostle Paul writes or any part of God's word? We need someone to help us explain it to us. That's been the tradition all through. The history of the Christian church is that there's people that God provides by the power of the Holy Spirit to explain God's word to us. Where do we hear God's word explained? Well, of course, it's in preaching of God's word. You're experiencing that even now. You're hearing God's word explained to you. We're looking at one verse from the Apostle Paul and hopefully by the Holy Spirit's power, I am being used to explain God's word to you now. And as you speak to other Christians in conversation, they will explain God's word to you. And, of course, books are a wonderful way to have God's Word explained to you, to study God's Word and understand what it is that God would have you think. Books written by people, carried along by the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit has been working in. As they've studied God's Word, they've written down the thoughts that the Holy Spirit have given them and that, about God's Word and so that you can understand it. I've been greatly blessed by Christian books. Someone even came into my office recently and said, I, I Every time I come in, there seem to be more books here, Joel. Why are there so many books in my office? It's because I'm so hopeless. I need help understanding God's word. I need as many resources as I can around me to help me to understand God's word so that then I know which thoughts are right and true and which ones should be discarded. So we should think good thoughts, And we understand what is good by God's word, God's good word. But why should we do so? Well, what did I say at the beginning? Good thoughts lead to good actions which lead to good consequences. What sort of consequences come from our good actions? Well, God promises us peace. If we do what is right and good, he promises us peace, joyous peace. Even in these verses that are before us, peace of God is mentioned a number of times. When he speaks about uh, that we should not be anxious in verse 6, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then if you look at verse uh, 9, he says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Those who think rightly... And act rightly are then granted peace from the god of peace and that's what we desire we want peace we want a tranquil spirit that is content in the lord and we'll look at that in further verses that are coming to us about the contentment that we should have as christians and the joy that is accompanied to that so what are we like as as humans well we're like plants aren't we why well a plant has roots that are hidden under the soil. But what is going on out of sight affects what is visible about the plant, the visible behaviour of the plant. What is going on under the soil is of ultimate consequence to what is happening above it. The plant is dependent upon its root system. And then what happens? Well, if the plant's visible behaviour takes place because of the roots, consequences happen to the plant. If the plant is growing well under the soil, getting nutrients and water, what happens? Well, it produces fruit. It continues to live. And then what happens? Well, the plant is preserved by the gardener and lives. But if the plant is not getting nutrients, is not getting water under the soil, its roots are not taking up what is good, then what happens? Well, it does not produce good fruit it does not produce fruit and it dies and what happens to dead plants well the gardener destroys them he has no place in his garden for dead plants that's the same with us as humans our thoughts are hidden inside our skulls just like the plant's roots are under the soil you can't see what's going on it's the same in people's heads you can't see what they're thinking sometimes we're very thankful for that aren't we that you can't see what other people are thinking, and you're very thankful that other people can't see your thoughts. But what goes on inside there does start to manifest itself in your actions by what is visible. Our actions are very much dependent upon what is going on inside our skulls. And then our visible behaviour leads to consequences. What happens if we think good thoughts by drawing on the scriptures? Well, we produce good fruit. We produce the fruit of the spirit, of love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And what happens then? We're preserved by the gardener. And live for eternity is the promise of scripture. Who is the gardener? It's the father, isn't it? Jesus says that in John 15. The gardener is his father. But if we think bad thoughts, what happens? We're dead. We die. We do not produce fruit. And then what happens? The gardener takes us away and destroys us in the fires of hell. Isn't this what is being described in Psalm 1? We had it read for us, but let's look at it again. Psalm 1 page 532 if you have a church bible page 532 of your church bibles verse 1 of psalm 1 says blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers but his delight is in the law of the lord and on his law he meditates day and night He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, prospers. Not so the wicked; they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the wicked, of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Why does the Christian not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand? in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers why doesn't he we see why verse 2 his delight is in the law of the lord and on his law he meditates day and night he is thinking good thoughts why because he is thinking about a good book with good thoughts in it and so therefore he does not participate in sinful actions and what happens to him Well, he is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whereas plants that do not yield their fruit in season, and whose leaf does wither, what happens to them? Well, we read in verse 4, not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. But those who do produce good fruit by meditating upon what is good and being like those trees planted by streams of water, what happens to them? The gardener is described there in verse 6. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. God looks after Those plants that are meditating upon God's word, upon his word, and yielding fruit, and whose leaf does not wither, and they prosper. He does not punish them as he punishes the plants that are not drinking from God's word, that are thinking wicked thoughts and doing wicked things. They are punished and swept away by the wind. So do you not like what you're seeing in your life? Do you fear punishment for your actions? That one day you'll be like chaff that the wind blows away to hell and you won't stand at the judgment. Instead, you will perish for all eternity. What should you do? Well, go back to your mind and consider what you're thinking about. Our minds are never neutral. They're never neutral. They're always working away. Sometimes slowly, like the roots of a tree, very slowly. But they're always working. They're always doing something. You say, sometimes I sits and thinks and sometimes I just sits. Well, it's not true. You might think that you're sitting there on the bus looking out the window and you're doing nothing with your mind. But your mind is engaged. It's doing something. And if you're not filling your mind with scripture and filling it with good thoughts about your employment, about other people in your life, about your recreations... Somebody else will fill it. And who will fill it? It'll be the world. It'll be Satan. It'll be your own sinful flesh will fill your mind with what is not right, what is not true, what is not noble, what is not pure, what is not lovely, what is not admirable, what is not excellent, what is not praiseworthy. You see this with the television set. People think that they sit down in front of a television and it's neutral. It is not neutral. It is always indoctrinating you in some way. It doesn't matter which media company it is, there are people working in those businesses and they're indoctrinating you in some way. A lot of it may be a bit mindless, but it is still affecting your mind always. Children, you need to understand this too. You think that you're sitting there and you're doing nothing, but understand that your thoughts are not idle. And your thoughts will lead to actions. And your actions will lead to consequences. We all have to be very careful about thinking that we can at points be in neutral. Our minds can be in neutral. No, they're always working. They're either working for good or they're working for evil. So if you're doing evil and you're afraid of the consequences of your evil, Then look at your thoughts and ask, am I thinking about whatever is true, whatever is noble? Am I thinking right thoughts, noble thoughts, lovely thoughts, admirable thoughts, excellent thoughts, praiseworthy thoughts? And if the answer is no, there's your problem. There's your problem. Your mind is your problem. No wonder you do evil and you're scared of the consequences of your evil actions. But you say, I have tried to think good thoughts, but I cannot. I wrestle and I wrestle and I cannot seem to do it. Is it because then that you've never thought rightly about yourself and Christ Jesus? You've never thought rightly about yourself and Christ Jesus. Sinful man is a dead plant until he hears the scriptures and then thinks rightly about himself and about Christ. What right thoughts do we need? Do we need in order to have good fruit and live for eternity? We need to know and believe that we are sinners. That we are sinners and that Christ is our perfect saviour by his death. That by his death our sins have been paid for. Those are the thoughts that we need if we are to have good fruit that lasts for eternity and live for eternity. Why? Because if we think rightly about ourselves, that we are sinners, no longer live in self-denial that somehow I'm still a good person, even though I do a couple of bad things, think a couple of bad thoughts. No, we are sinful through and through. If we think that and then think about Christ rightly in accordance to his word, that he is the true saviour, that he is the only one who pays the penalty for our sin. If we do that, what happens? Christ's righteous fruit, his fruit, comes over to our case, comes over to us. And then we have eternal life because of what he has done for us. In his life and his death, his resurrection, everything about him becomes ours. And therefore we have the gardener's protection. Not because of what we have done, but because of what he has done and the way that we have thought rightly and believed rightly about him and about ourselves. And then, if that happens, what happens? Well, the spirit renews our minds so that we have more good thoughts. We have more good thoughts about us and about others, about our work and about Christ. And those good thoughts lead to right acts, which lead to good consequences from God as he blesses us and gives us more and more peace in himself. But if you don't, if you don't think rightly of yourself, if you don't think of yourself as a sinner, and if you don't think of Christ as your Lord and Saviour, then you remain in your deadness and you won't think good thoughts ever. And one day you will be swept away and burned in the fire of hell what should you do read your bible it's only through the scriptures that you can think rightly about yourself as a sinner and it's only through the scriptures that christ is revealed to you truly read your bibles know that you're a sinner as god reveals it through his word and know christ as lord and savior and delight in him Now, some of you may say, Yes, I know I'm a sinner and I know Christ is my Savior, but I still struggle with evil thoughts. I still struggle with evil thoughts and evil acts as a result of my evil thoughts. Well, do you regularly read your scriptures? Do you regularly read the Bible? Do you hear them explained? Do you hear them preached? Do you speak about them with others? Do you read books about the scriptures? When you want to know whether something is right and true, do you go to the Bible and ask, is this right, Lord, what I'm thinking about my mum or my sister? Is this right what I'm thinking about for work? Is this right what I'm thinking about with my boss? Is this right what I'm thinking about when it comes to recreation and relaxation at the end of the day? Is this right? Do you go to the scriptures and ask, are these things truly lovely that I'm thinking about? And when you study the Scriptures, do you study them looking to understand and to think more and more about Christ, the truly lovely one? People can study the Bible and learn all kinds of things from it, but miss the point of the whole Bible. What's the point of the whole Bible? What's every page whispering about? The Lord Jesus Do you read the scriptures and think about what is supremely right and true and noble and pure and excellent and praiseworthy and lovely and admirable? No? Well, no wonder you struggle. No wonder you struggle with evil thoughts and deeds and you fear the consequences of your actions. If you don't read the scriptures and you don't think rightly of Christ, then no wonder you struggle. No wonder you struggle. So what should we all be doing? Well, we should be continually filling our minds with what is good. So there is no room for evil. All Christians, we all struggle with evil thoughts. Bitterness, anger, lust, greed, bad theology, bad thoughts about God. Something bad happens in your life and you question God's goodness, you question God's love, you question God's power. We struggle with these thoughts, bad thoughts about God and about others. But what happens if we feed on Scripture and fill our minds with what is good? What happens if we fill our minds with Christ, thoughts of Christ? Well, there's less room for evil thoughts. There's less room for evil thoughts. Let's not empty our minds of evil, but fill our minds with what is good. So that evil thoughts can't have room in there to move around and be dwelt upon because there's so much goodness going on in there because we've filled it with what is right and true in accordance with God's word. So that's the first thing we should do as Christians. Yes, we recognize we're sinners. Yes, we recognize that Christ is our Savior, but we still struggle with evil thoughts. Well, What should we do? We should fill our minds with what is good and right rather than what is evil. But you ask, what about the stubborn rocks in our heads that never seem to go? Those evil thoughts that I can't seem to ever get rid of. They're always there. The roots are working around them, but they're always there. I can't get them out of my head. What should I do? They never seem to go. Well, they can go. How? Well, good thoughts, strengthened by the Scriptures, can dissolve even the hardest of evil thoughts. Our minds can be renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit with the Word of God. That's what's promised to us in Romans 12, a renewal of the mind. I learned this week that some shrubs living on Rocky Mountains in Brazil use roots equipped with fine hairs and acids to dissolve rocks and extract the key nutrient phosphorus. The discovery, published in Functional Ecology, helps explain how a variety of plants can survive in impoverished environments. We found the roots growing into the rocks at least 10 centimetres deep, says a plant ecologist. The roots go deeper and we always lose some of them. So they found these rocks and the roots have actually bored their way through the rock. Here in Des Moines, the... Anglican Church uh, is, has a lovely feature. It's a lovely building here in Des Moines. Uh, but there was this tree growing up on the tower. I noticed it soon after I arrived here, and I've always, any time I walk past the Anglican Church, I uh, tend to look up and see it there growing away quite nicely, getting bigger every year. And, uh, and I'm friends with the Anglican minister here. And, and I mentioned to him recently, I saw it was gone. And he said, yeah, we had to get rid of it. It, uh, it was eating the, the tower. By growing there, some bird had dropped a seed up there and somehow with some water and, and of course, leaves or whatever, and it started growing. But it was boring into the wall of the tower of the church building. He said it it had a fresh meaning to the word church plant. (laughs) It was eating away at the wall. And that's what happens in our heads with roots that are fed by the scriptures with the evil thoughts that are tough nuggets and we think they'll never crack. But if we have the Holy Spirit in us, with God's word, thinking supremely good thoughts, which of course are about Christ Jesus, even the hardest of thoughts, the most wicked and evil thoughts that keep surfacing in your mind, like rocks in your head, they can be bored through. They can be broken down. They can be cracked open by God's word, and thoughts about Christ Jesus. Fill your mind with thoughts about Christ Jesus. Feed upon him, and even the hardest of thoughts, the most wicked of thoughts, can be bored through. And what is lovely, what is admirable, what is true, what is noble, what is right and pure and excellent and praiseworthy will replace those thoughts that are wicked whether it be bitterness, whether it be anger, whether it be lust or greed or idolatry, wicked thoughts about God, they can be bored through. As roots feeding on God's word dissolve, those rocks. And then what happens? Joyful, joyful consequences. What's the promise in Psalm 1? Whatever we do prospers. Whatever we do prospers. We have peace in this life, and the next. When we prosper, it may not be what we think, generally speaking, in this world of prosperity, material prosperity, but there's a prosperity of mind, a peacefulness of mind, a joy of mind that results from those who feed upon God's word, who meditate upon his word day and night and think good thoughts all the day long. As they go about work, as they go about with their relationships, as they go about in recreation and relaxation, they think good thoughts all the day long because they feed upon God's word. Let's come to God in prayer now. Let's speak with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you as a God who is true, who is noble, who is right, who is pure, who is lovely, who is admirable, who is excellent and praiseworthy. Oh, Lord, we ask that you would forgive us for not thinking rightly and so not acting rightly. We deserve to be punished, O oh Lord. We deserve to be swept away with the wicked for all of eternity. But, Lord, we thank you for giving us your good word and revealing to us your good Son. We thank you that by trusting in Christ Jesus, his goodness is ours and eternal life is ours, that you protect us as the gardener. And so, Lord, we ask that you would help us by the Holy Spirit to read your word and to have good thoughts about everything. But Lord, we ask that you would particularly give us good thoughts about your son and regular thoughts about him as the supreme goodness known to man. And Lord, we pray that you would then help us to have no room for evil thoughts and to break down even the hardest of evil thoughts in our minds. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.